Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pater, a Penn State football show. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Funk Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Pater. We're big fans of Funk Citrus IPA and Silent Disco IPA. This month, keep an eye out for the Raspberry Bikes Shandy and the Double Disco Southeast PA style double IPA. But don't forget, our official beer, the Pater IPA, is still available right now in Funk's tap rooms, but it won't be around much longer. Funk has so many great beers to choose from at their tap rooms in Emmaus, Elizabethtown, and York in Pennsylvania. You can find a variety of Funk Brewing beers at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Also, Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Pater is presented by BetOnline, where the game starts. Also, we invite you to head to shop.believe.com, that's shop.b-l-e-a-v.com, and search Pater for our two t-shirts. One as the official show logo over the heart. It comes in white, navy blue, and black, and the other is a navy blue t-shirt. It has the Pater word mark over the heart, and on the back, circa the 2012 Penn State football season, it has Matt McGloin's name and number. It's very fitting, as this season of Nittany Lion football marks the 10-year anniversary of of that team. Again, head to shop.believe.com, that's shop.believe.com, and search Pater for our two t shirts. Thank you for tuning in on ESPN Radio State College, as well as checking out the podcast version of this show presented by the Believe Network. It is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Tune in and wherever else you get your podcasts. And, of course, hit us up on Twitter and let us know what you think of the show, at ESPN Radio 1037, at McGloin QB 11 and at Tom Hannafin. Joining me here on Pater is former Penn State quarterback coach Charlie Fisher from back in 2012-2013. Charlie's been on the show before. Charlie, I can't thank you enough for joining me. We are moments after Penn State just wrapped up the 2022 regular season a home victory against Michigan State, 35-16 to on senior day. They finished the regular season now 10-2. and So a lot of things looking really positive now for the number 11 Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, looking at this game, your, what was your overall takeaway? Because it was a little closer for comfort than I think a lot of Penn State fans were hoping for. Yeah, I think, you know, Penn State, once they got going in the, uh, in the first half, really played well. They jumped out there with the two scores. And the swing right there before the half kind of hurt their momentum when Penninger misses the field goal. The Michigan State kid, I think Stone, hits the 51-yarder. That swung a lot of momentum, and you saw Michigan State carry that into the third quarter and really play very well. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think Penn State's depth and their talent just won out. You know, Penn State's a a very talented team, uh, very, very talented uh, defensively. Uh, they found the right recipe. They ran the ball. They used their tight ends. They got two great young young running backs. 
And when you run the ball for 160 and you hold the other team to 25 and you get three turnovers and they, uh, you know, they don't get any, that's a pretty good secret sauce right there, Tom, for a win. And I think Penn State did what they had to do, kind of a trap game in some ways. Uh, Michigan State's always dangerous. I know they haven't had a great year, but they're always kind of dangerous. They're physical, they're tough, and they always show up against Penn State. It's something McGloin and I talked about on the preview episode for this matchup is that you just never know with Michigan State. And even though they came in with a lot of injuries, a lot of players missing due to the off-field issues with the tunnel fight with Michigan, you just know what Mel Tucker's all about. You know what that program's all about. And even though in the first half it looked like Penn State was really starting to build on something, looked dominant at times. Uh, credit to Michigan State coming back there in the second half and finding an answer for the interior run game of Penn State that put more of the burden on Sean Clifford and company to really try and move the ball, and they found their opportunities late. Uh, talk about a game for the tight ends, which I, I, I love to see personally. Yeah such talent in this tight end room and Parker Washington being out for the season. You can see the focus of Mike Yersich and company shifting to the tight ends. What did you feel about their utilization today? Well, you know, the tight end coach, you know, was at Penn state with me. Uh, you know, he was our center, Ty Howell. I hired Ty Howell as my offensive line coach when I was the head coach at Western Illinois. So I know how well coached they are, but also it's not hard to see how talented they are and they're all different. And quite honestly, the one in, in that I'd like to see more of is Tyler Warren. That guy excites me every time I see him. He doesn't get quite the opportunities, maybe overall, or maybe it just seems that way. But, I mean, they're all different. Uh, when I was at Penn State, gosh, we, we had, you know, a, a plethora of tight ends. Uh, maybe an embarrassment of riches. But these guys, I mean, they're bubbling over with talent. I mean, they've got – they, they got three guys that can do a little bit of everything. I like the way uh, Coach Yersick used them. He, he does a great job of using those guys. And today you could see they wanted them to be a focal point. They got in some diamond, played. They just moved their tight end around all over the place. They got a matchup situation there with Tyler Warren in the red zone. So they're doing a good job. So, I, you know, I think Penn State's playing a little bit shorthanded at wide out, quite honestly, with Pat Parker Washington out. Um Conte Lambert-Smith played a good ball game. He does a good job. Uh, they lack a big-time home run threat. You can kind of see that. But uh, they did a really nice job there manipulating their guys. And, and the two running backs, Tom, I mean, they're so gifted. You've got to use them also in your pass game. And Penn State did for the most part. I mean, both those kids can catch the ball. And uh, so they relied on their tight ends and their running backs. And, and a lot enough teams don't do that, quite honestly in the nation you know they make it a throwing game to all the receivers but the x factor i've always felt like is always your running backs and your tight ends it it felt like old school penn state football charlie and like Mm. granted it's not the quarterback under center 90 percent of the time you go in the shotgun you talk about that diamond formation where you got basically the 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 pistol and then a tight end on either side of sean clifford i love that i love seeing the full house backfield utilized with the quarterback under center But there's some old school things about this that feel very true to Penn State in terms of you're not putting the burden on Sean Clifford. We will get to him in a moment, but you're making it be an RPO play action pass type offense that is predicated on running the football. I mean, did you expect this to be the offensive scheme coming into this season? Well, 
you know, I don't think anybody really, you really don't know the development of, of the freshman running backs, how quick that's going to happen. I mean, they ascended very quickly. I think Penn State, obviously, they knew and we all knew, and certainly I knew because I talked to Ty Howe, but they're going to use their tight ends. I mean, when you got three that talented, you know, you got to use them. So I, I think they were always going to be in the mix. I think probably Penn State in the big scheme of things knows they're probably just a little bit shorthanded at receiver. Parker Washington, outstanding player, uh, big threat down the field. But, you know, they've had to utilize different guys and, and uh, their, their tight ends have really come along. But they use them in such ways that uh, is very unique. They got them on the field. You got to get uh, all those guys. When I was at Penn State, we'd put three on the field at one time, many times. Now, we were more under center, more of a true pro-style attack and uh, hard ball play action under center. But, you know, I think Penn State did a really good job today. They, they utilized the guys they needed to use to win the game, and that was their tight ends and running backs. And coming back to Sean Clifford, this was finally his senior day. He's played at a few of them now, but uh, the six-year senior playing in his last game as a Nittany Lion at home at Beaver Stadium. We will see him in a bowl game, obviously, and we'll get to the bowl projections here in a moment. But uh, looking back on Sean Clifford, my opinion, Charlie, Sean Clifford is the most polarizing player to have ever played for the Nittany Lions. What do you think? Well, you know, I'd say that's probably a, a, a true statement in many ways. Uh, you know, I would have said when I went to Penn State, I, I felt like Matt McGloin was a little bit victimized in, in many ways when I got there. And and uh, certainly Matt closed the door on that and uh, with his uh, the, with his play and certainly to play his senior year. But uh, I would say that, it, you know, in, in many ways, that statement's true. You know, Tom, it's double-edged sword. When a guy sticks around six years, you know, it's like the same old thing. They kind of, you know, they you're always tired of that guy. It's like pro football when a guy's played eight years and like Derek Carr, you know, you know, all the yeah. fans are tired of him with the Raiders and it's say, okay, why are you tired of him? The guy's had a, you know, a, a very successful pro career. Sean Clifford's a good player. You Right now, they've got the recipe to make Sean Clifford successful. They got good tight ends, they got a good running game, and they utilize them, and they don't ask him to win the game himself. So he's what he is. He's a play action RPO guy. He can run enough to get out of trouble, and they've built a good team around him. You know, in the past time, it always felt to me uh, they couldn't protect him well enough on a consistent basis. They've done a better job of that, and they're getting the ball out of his hands. Uh, for the most part, and drop back game pretty quickly. But their play-action game and their RPO RPO game really helps him. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I think the offensive line's struggles, which has been going on for years, but especially mm-hmm. this year and, and in this game, especially against Michigan State, there are a lot of freshmen playing, especially a freshman in Drew Shelton that left tackle. Uh, Vega Yuane was playing a right guard. So, I mean, like there, there are a lot of freshmen out there, and that was something the interior of the Michigan State defensive line took advantage of a number of times. I, I really wanted to get your opinion on Sean because, obviously, as a quarterback coach, you can really get in the weeds with this in terms of you, – you, I've heard the phrase that you just said, he is what he is. Pros and cons of Sean Clifford from what you see, what are they? Well, you know, at times, uh, you know, I, I there's no question throughout his career, I think there's many times he holds on to the ball too long, uh, takes some sacks. Um, he, you know, he can scramble. He can extend a play. 
sometimes guys that can do that do it too much. Um, I, I never like to see a guy go out of the back of the pocket. That was one of the things we always talked about, man. Don't go out of the back of the pocket, climb the pocket, insert the pocket. Uh, you know, we used to ask Matt, he can tell you, we talked about that all the time. I think Sean does that sometimes. Some, he's resourceful. He finds a way. He's good outside the pocket. He keeps his eyes downfield. He usually finds a way. And he's a better runner than what people give him credit for. I mean, every time I watch him, I say, man, there's no way he's going to get that. And then he does. So he kind of tricks you sometimes. And uh, I think what he's eliminated, Tom, he's he's eliminated like the big mistake or the boneheaded play. You know, I, I, I guess I think back, I forget what game it was. Was it Ohio State early in the game? I think he tossed one up for uh, on a silver platter. But for the most part, yeah. when I've seen him this year, Tom, he's protected the ball much better. His touchdown ratio to interceptions is much better. I think he's just played overall more, just better. He looks more poised. He looks more in control of the game. Now, that being said, I will, he's a six-year senior, and he's played a lot of football. He should. You know, if you're the Penn State offensive coaches and, and uh, Mike Yersich, you got to feel like when you go into the game, this kid's in command of what they're doing. I mean, he's been there for a long time. And I think he, his play is reflective of that. I thought he played a good, solid game today. You know, didn't make any mistakes. He you know, really threw the ball away when he had to, used his legs when he had to, and, and, and found his receivers at, at key moments. The correlation you made between McGloin's experiences and what Clifford has gone through, obviously – there's similarities and there aren't all at the same time. Obviously, the fallout from the Sandusky scandal completely changed the Penn State football program, especially in those years that you were there and uh, working with Matt McGloin. And he was a big reason why 2011 and 2012 were so special to Penn State football fans. But you know what it's like to be with a quarterback who is being clamored for. Matt was clamored for for a while as the backup quarterback right. and then gets in there and not everybody's in love with them and it took it takes a minute whatever and and Sean Clifford dealt with that and now he's been dealing with it even worse because you know five star freshman right. quarterback Drew Aller is there you've been in that room with McGloin or other quarterbacks how week to week do you keep a guy's psyche together like Sean Clifford has probably had to have those conversations with Yursich Franklin sure. etc you, you just stay in his corner Tom I mean you He's got to know that you got 100% belief in him. You got 100% truth, uh, you know, trust in him. You know, I've always felt like, and, and I think one of the things that was unique about uh, my relationship to Matt is we were joined at the hip. Uh, you know, Coach O'Brien was heavily involved with the quarterbacks. It, it wasn't just me, but Matt and I had a different relationship maybe than his relationship to Billy in some ways. And you, you just develop a bond. And the best quarterback coaches, just like coaches anywhere, but I think it's even heightened more so with the quarterback position, is, is you just got to be a great communicator with your guy. And you kind of got to have that. Um, there's just a wavelength that, that is, you guys, you're on the same page with the guy. You know, it's hard, it's hard to explain. It's like a quarterback and receiver, but you're just on the, on the same wavelength. And he trusts you. You trust him. You're going to play through his mistakes. And um, and you just, you know, you build that. And I think Matt would be the first to tell you in 2012, his senior season, it just kept building. And his confidence kept building. And he kept getting better in the system. And, and, and we kind of grew together. 
And, um, and, and I think that, you know, Sean, you're kind of seeing that right now. I think, I think Sean Clifford's at a, at a really good year. And I think, uh, you know, people need to lay off of him a little bit, you know, I mean, I've always said that, I mean, as a coach, I'm going to protect my guy. You know, if he's my guy, I'm going to protect him. And, and I'm never afraid to say that. And I think, I think back, uh, Tom, the one thing that, that Bill O'Brien did in 2012, I remember this just like it was yesterday. I think it was early June. And Billy stood in front of the team uh, and he said, Matt McGloin's our quarterback. And I, I think James Franklin has done that. I mean, they have, they've come out, you know, they didn't make a move to Drew Aller. Mm-hmm. They didn't do that. They, they didn't tell Sean Clifford, hey, hit the road, man. We don't want you back for your sixth year. I mean, I think they knew they needed him back. But, but they understand more than anybody who he is. When you're in the room with him every day and you're on the practice field, they understand him. You get a feel for a guy. And, uh, you know, I tip my hat to Sean Clifford. He's had, I mean, he's had a really good career and people don't probably don't give him enough credit, Tom, for quite honestly, for what he's done. They say, well, he's a 60 year guy. You should throw for 10,000 yards. Well, no, it doesn't work that way. It's not that easy. Matt would be the first guy to tell you, you know, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of uh, effort in your preparation and just going out there and playing good football against good teams. So we, we closed the book on the Clifford era, at least at Beaver stadium. There was, I mentioned there will be a bowl game. Um, I do want to flip things in terms of, you know, you're talking about what the offense did for Penn state and then the defense of Penn state. I really love what Manny Diaz has done this season for the Nittany lions. I think as a defensive coordinator, he's been excellent. You naturally have had to go up against plenty of defensive coordinators for years and years. What do you think of the job he did this year? And are you hopeful that he stays on the staff? Oh, you know, he's done, he's done a a great job. I mean, you know, I've coached against Manny. I know guys have coached with him over the years. I've seen his work on video from being in the same league with him. And, uh, you know, one thing about coach Diaz, man, that I really like, he's full throttle, man. He's not going to back down. He's going to come get you. He's going to force the issue. You know, my whole thing, Tom, when I was a head coach, two times I always said I'm going to hire a coordinator that, that's going to, you know, is going to force the issue, however they do it. And, uh, you know, sometimes guys get a little blitz happy, but that's who, that's who Manny Diaz is. That's his identity. That's who he wants his defense to be. And you can see now Michigan State made some plays there in the third quarter. You know, I thought Peyton Thorne did a good job under pressure, but it no question it took its toll on Michigan State as the you know as the game went on. They were having a harder and harder time. And when you got some of the guys he's got, that young linebacker group, Tom, wow, I'm telling you. And now you, you you're looking at some guys there that look like some of the linebackers they've had at Penn State over the years, man. I'll tell you, and Abdul Carter, he, he's uh, Micah Parsons waiting to happen. Lavar Arrington, I mean, he's got all the tools. I would, but don't you know? Don't sleep on those other guys now. They're, yeah. they're they're talented too. Charlie, when you make a comparison like that, you're you're not alone. I, I would you know go as far as to call Abdul Carter you know baby Parsons or baby Micah. Yeah. You know, is that too much too early for Abdul Carter to be comparison and comparing well, him to Parsons and Arrington? No, it's not physically because he's got closing speed and you can see he's got some football instincts. Now, you know, the cool, the the key for a guy like him, when you coach a guy that has great success early on, he's got all the physical tools. He's got all that component. How does he grow mentally? You know, and and just watching and what you hear about this young man, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't foresee any complacency or, Hey, I've arrived. They say he's a great worker. He prepares. 
as long as he keeps that in his toolbox, he's got the physical tools. He's played probably above the expectation of what you would think as a true freshman. But as long as he keeps the component of the preparation, the work ethic, the the desire to be great, which, again, based on everything I hear, he's got all that. I mean, the sky's the limit because when you watch this guy close on the football, I mean, not many guys can do that, Tom. No, his first step is scary. I remember the game against Maryland where uh, there was a play where a Maryland quarterback, Talia Tagovailoa, kind of went out to the right side, looked like he could get the edge and get the corner and get the first down. And within second and a half, Abdul was on him, and that, and that was it. You don't see that type of closing speed in, in many players. In regards to the overall effort of the defense today against Michigan State, uh, it was a little – Odd in that, you know, you saw a dominant first half and things kind of fell off there in the second half. Why do you think the Spartans had success there in the second half? Well, they, they started converting some third downs, number one. Uh, they, they couldn't convert a third down really in the first half. I, I think they were one out of nine. And then in the third quarter, they kind of got ignited and hit some of those. Penn State kept coming on Thorne and give him credit. He made some throws under, under some serious duress, as we would say. He stood in there in the pocket and, and uh, delivered the ball on the money. So I think, you know, they, they, they really never got the running game going, so to speak. They, they made some 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 big throws, and uh, that kind of got them in there. I think Penn State, if you think back to the game, I think you would have put the book on this game had Abdul Carter hung on to the interception when Michigan State was Oh, my up. gosh. He had a walk-in touchdown. Yeah, I think uh, was it Tarburton batted the ball up, and he had – I don't know if uh, Nick – Hit him, ran into him. It looked like he was about to snag it, and they kind of collided, and he lost it. The game probably is over right there, uh, or a good chance to be. But I, yeah, I give Penn State credit. You know, they uh, Michigan State clawed their way back into the game, and then you know they 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 put an exclamation point on. They had the long drive, and they turned right around. And uh, I think it was uh, was it Caleb King? Uh, yeah, Kalen King was. Kalen really, King really got good. the pick. Yeah, and because uh, they targeted King throughout the night and uh, he stepped up he, he, really he stepped, stepped up, up. and uh, you know with Joey Porter moving on to the NFL draft I, I would think and Jair Brown's going to be drafted high now if you look at any question marks on that defense moving forward it's it's probably not the front seven the question mark's going to be the back end right I mean who's going to step in for those guys uh, I think I saw uh, uh, Marquise Wilson Played mm-hmm. quite a bit. Good game. And uh, Johnny Dixon should be back mm-hmm. unless he declares. I, I, you know, I would think he'll be back. I would but, expect him back. Yeah, but you never know. <laughs> you know, I've expected some guys back in my room, other places I've been, and and they say, "Hey, coach, I'm going to the NFL." Really? Oh yeah, Derek Tangelo last season, defensive tackle. I was oh, he's got okay. Yeah. Went undrafted. Things happen. You know. Uh, th- that's I want to say, son, sit down here and let me give you an idea how hard it is to make it in that league. <laughs> <laughs> and to the credit of Joey Porter Jr., he played a few series early right. on. He been a suffering. He'd been suffering from appendicitis, uh, and that was right. only announced like within the last like three weeks. So for him to come back and want to play, mm-hmm. it speaks to the significance of him wanting to be on the field at Beaver Stadium potentially one last time. By many, he suspected to be a first yeah. round pick if he declares for this year's NFL draft. Yeah. Uh, who knows if he's going to yeah. be on the team? when a bowl gets projected and and picked and all that, that would be something. Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard 
butters, plus hair gels and pomades. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com and use our promo code paydirt 15 paydirt 15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. Are you a fan of rivalries? Are you a fan of smack talk? Do you like to stand out from the crowd at tailgates? If so, head over to Smack Apparel and check out what their team is geared up for this football season. Their Let There Be White tee is the perfect gear for those famous whiteout games at Beaver Stadium. Or get straight to the point with the worst tee for all the Ohio State haters out there. Smack Apparel makes the gear that'll have everyone asking where you got it. They have the must-have tees for all your teams, including pro football, baseball, basketball. Every fan is covered. Head over to their website, smackapparel.com, and use the promo code PAYDIRT at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code PAYDIRT at checkout. Why wear boring when you can wear smack? To see Tom, you're, you're probably being highly optimistic with that word potentially. <laughs> I just like to leave it vague because you just but, never but know. But I'll go, I'll go with that. Yeah, but Kalen King, you pointed him out, and he got picked on a lot, not nearly as much as Johnny Dixon did. And Kalen King stepped up. He nearly yeah. had three picks, something like that. And he's so young. He's so I, young. It, it was very encouraging. The, the thing um, I liked about Kalen King, he kept competing. Yes, I mean he didn't back down. Now he kept playing, and he and uh, and he got a reward at the end when he got the pick, and then Penn State turned it right into a big. Uh, uh, you know they went double post and hit the touchdown uh, down the down the middle to Lambert Smith there to to really you know put the game away and probably made a lot of guys that had money on Penn State happy because the spread I think was uh, <laughs> eighteen and a half and they closed it out at nineteen. So the all the guys that had money on the nits were happy. It's Black Friday weekend. You got to take advantage, <laughs> right? Uh, Charlie, talking about uh, this defense, I think the pass rush developed far more than anybody expected them to this season. I believe coming into the Michigan State game, uh, it had been reported that 16 individual players for Penn State had recorded a sack, which right. is just astronomical. I remember coming into this season that there were probably a dozen guys along this defensive line especially that all had hype. Potential. You'd heard them right. talked about for a number of years. Some guys were coming off an injury like Adisa Isaac, et cetera. And to see so many guys contribute has been fantastic. But you know you're going to lose a, an anchor like P.J. Mustafer. Right. How do you feel about what the defensive line did today and then going forward looking ahead to 2023? You know, I thought their D-line, you know, did a nice job. I mean, I, uh, I think the one thing, when you play pressure defense, that – really enhances those guys and, and their development as a pass rusher. Because number one, you're sitting in there and as coaches, you're, you're emphasizing the ability to get to the passer. So those guys know, listen, Coach Diaz is going to put me in position to get singled up. And I can get, you know, I mean, let's be real about it. Defensive linemen, they live for sacks. That, that's their deal. That's their calling card. That's what they want. You know, they like TFLs and all that. But, you know, in the NFL – they pay you for sacks mm -hmm. and you get drafted high when you can get to the quarterback. And those guys know that they love that. I mean, ever since your little kid playing defense, Hey man, rush the quarterback, get to the quarterback. So uh, I was impressed with the job they did. I mean, uh, just going through there, I thought Isaac, he, he looked like a guy uh, just watching him. He's got some serious twitch. Um, they will, they will miss Mustafer, but 
I would think in the big scheme of things, they're going to miss his leadership and certainly he's a talented player, but I, I think they probably feel like they can replace him, uh, I, you know, to some degree. Uh, that's not taking anything away from him. Now, I'm not sure of this. I saw where Tarburton's a redshirt senior, but does he have the COVID year? Does he have the, the redshirt senior? I class? believe he does, but the the fun thing, Charlie, now with this COVID year is that you don't know who's coming, right. staying, right. going. I mean, like Sean Clifford's proven that you can stay almost as long as you want. So right. I, I don't know what his intentions are for 2023. Well, and, and, and Tom, you know, quite honestly, you know, when you talk about how the room could change, you, you have to look at the transfer portal. Because that changes everything for mm-hmm. everybody. And uh, your team is going to be affected either good or bad by the transfer portal. You might lose a couple guys. You can go out and get a couple guys. And certainly with Penn State, their pedigree, their success. And, hey, who wouldn't want to play for Manny Diaz's defense, right? I mean, so if a kid hits the portal, it's called what it is. He's a free agent. He can go wherever he wants. He's mm-hmm. going to pick the place that allows him to be most successful where he has a chance to continue to play at the next level. So um, with what Manny's done, his background, his success as a defensive coordinator, you know guys are going to want to play for him. So James Franklin, we, you he's going to look at his roster. You know, who's you always, you always say you got to recruit your, your, your team first. Who's coming back? And the way the rules are now, you have the window after they – I believe it is after they pick the, uh, the final four, you have the 45-day mm-hmm. window. So they're going to go through their team. They're going to find out who's coming back. But then if you – I don't think Penn State's got a lot of holes, you know, but but where they do have a hole, where they need experience, I would think they'd probably want another tackle. I would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may they may want a safety and maybe, a, a you know, a terrific pass rusher up front. And they don't have a lot of holes. They sure enough don't need a linebacker. Because no, they, they, they seem really comfortable at linebacker, which is uh, – I don't think coming into the season a lot of people would have necessarily thought that. that right. There was the promise of Abdul Carter, but for, to see what he turned into. Uh, and, and turning things – you know, I, I talked about how there was a lot of hype around this defensive line and what they could be. Now, looking into 2023, the offensive line seems yeah. to have potential – it's a lot of youth. It's a lot of hype. It's a lot of guys that have gotten some playing time this year, which you're interested in, but you're going to get Landon Tangwall back from injury next season. Hunter Norzad is returning. You know that the transfer from Cornell. Drew Shelton's gotten some valuable time to get in there and play. It's not all been sunshine right. and roses. Vega Yuane is going to be there. Uh, Sal Warmly is going to be back. This seems promising for the offensive line. And then let's not forget Drew Aller, allegedly is going to be the guy in 2023. You have Singleton, you have Allen, Keandre Lambert-Smith, these tight ends, and hopefully Saunders, Ivy, Evans, somebody steps up at wide receiver. What do you feel about the Penn State offense heading into 2023? Well, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, they're they're going to have to make sure the offensive line got a young quarterback, tremendously gifted. Uh, We've seen glimpses of that, but I will say this. I've always said this. With, with the quarterback position specifically, until they start games, you don't ever know. It's it's different coming in a game as opposed to starting a game. And and I think Drew Aller is a really gifted player. The little bit I've seen of him, because he hasn't really played all that much. Mm-hmm. But when you see him, he's big, he's strong, he's got a great arm. He's got all those gifts. He you know Obviously, he's at Penn State for a reason. Reminds me a little bit of a young Christian Hackenberg in some ways. Got that kind of, you know, big arm, big presence in the pocket. Uh, so how do you help a young quarterback? 
And specifically, when you look at Penn State, I mean, they've got to feel like well, what they got coming back. Hey, this is our, we got a great chance here. You know, Ohio State's going to lose Stroud, right? Michigan's going to lose a number of guys. I mean, it, they're going to have a chance to make mm-hmm. a big move and, and beat, get over the hump against these two teams. Because let's get real, that's what it's all, when I was there, that's what it all comes down to. Hey, everybody likes to beat Purdue and Illinois and all that, but they want to beat, you got to beat the top. Have to. You have to. That's that's the measuring stick. So the offensive line, if that solidifies itself, I I would think they they go out and maybe look for a a transfer portal offensive lineman to help solidify that, to put the best group you can around around Aller. They've got, got the running game. And the way you help a young quarterback is to run the ball the way they have this year. All right. They've got to get a home run threat, I think. I think you got to have a guy that can stretch it over the top. Completely um, agree. I mean, they got they got to find. Maybe that guy's in the program, Tom. Maybe he is. You know, I'm not ever at every practice, and uh, you know, I haven't talked to their wideout coach, but he maybe he's in the program. But when you watch him play right now, he certainly wasn't on the field today. Uh, you know, Lambert Smith played a good game, and but he's more that middle level. He did get by him on the post, but I think, you know, in the big scheme of things, he's more that that guy that's going to catch the ball in the possession zone, and he's a good player. But you want to have that home run threat that can really stretch it. Guys that Penn State's had at different times, right? Bobby Lambert or uh, Bobby Ingram, guys like mm-hmm. that over the years, they've had that guy. I think if they can add that component, they're going to have their tight ends back, unless I, I think you may know better than I if, if any of them are eligible to come out in the draft at, at the tight end room. Is that – I think they're all roughly the same age. I'm not great about knowing what grade everybody's in. I want to say maybe strange or something like that could be eligible, but it wouldn't shock me if all three were, were back next season. I believe all three are I think you're right because when I see it here on my list, I got strange as a redshirt junior, so he would yeah. be eligible. Eligible, but I think it would probably be in his best interest to be back. Not to say that he doesn't have a ton of ability. I, I love what he's done as a blocker. He's yeah. clearly come on in that way. He can be a reliable pass catcher. He's not necessarily yeah. a burner, some freak athlete like a Mike Kosicki, but yeah. he is a big body who can move. So yeah. I, I think all three of those guys uh, coming back next season. And now that your sitch is fixated on like, okay, yeah. I've got these wide the tight ends I can utilize. Right. Let's get crazy with it. Yeah. Maybe that's a good yeah. thing. And, and, and Coach Yersey, I mean, it takes a little bit of time to kind of – I mean, I know he's been there a couple of years, but to, to really kind of um, get comfortable is not the word, but like he's – when you're around those guys, you're, he, you can see how the offense is developed because he's yeah. gaining tons of trust in those guys and he's seeing what they can do. And you can see how they're game planning. They're looking for matchups with those guys all the time. And, and I just – I think the guy that – is going to throw the top off of it before his career is over is Tyler Warren. I, I, I think he is a gifted player. And, and, um, and I know he doesn't, doesn't appear to get as many balls thrown to him, but you saw his ability right there in the end zone mm-hmm. uh, on the matchup there when they, when they pump the, uh, the uh, screen, mm-hmm. he slips down the sideline and makes a great, uh, great play. So, you know, strange could come out because he fits what the NFL wants. Absolutely. He fits that. I mean, he is a, he's an inline guy that can block. He can catch it enough. He can stretch you enough. So depending on how his NFL grade comes back, I'm sure he can apply and, and see what that looks like. Uh, he's probably a 50, 50 guy, uh, but uh, you know, the other two would be back. And, uh, and I think once Warren gets, you know, as he continues to get opportunities, I think you're going to be guy, you know, 
Ty Howell's going to be squealing and not wanting that guy to go. You know. <laughs> well, remember Warren was a, a high school quarterback there yes. for a while. Last season, you saw him a lot in the uh, in the Wildcat and a little bit this year. So I think it's just been trying to find the right home for him it, yep. to some degree. And I agree with you. Strange, 50-50, yeah. could go, could stay. Yep. I completely agree. And they got uh, Theo Johnson back. He's a talented. I know uh, Khalil Dinkins has played a little bit. Yes. Um, and then they've got two young guys coming in, right? And I know the young man from Massachusetts, they – they rave about him, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, his talent. So, the, the, you know, tight, Penn State's tight end room has always been its tradition, right? I mean, it's always has it's, been. I mean, it's been it, stellar under James Franklin, especially. It's been very good with James, and and uh, I know we were there. Jesse James ended up, you know, obviously getting to the league, but we had some other guys too, uh, with Brenneman, uh, what was a, was a really good player, Matt Lehman. So we had some guys, but this this room of tight ends that Penn State's got now, from a standpoint of three guys that can do the things that they can do, uh, I don't know that Penn State's ever had that. You know, three guys that talented, big, talented guys that are going to play in the NFL. Oh, yeah. The cup runneth over. Yeah, that's uh, a good to way wind, to put it. <laughs> to wind down here, uh, one thing everybody is now thinking about is what bowl game is Penn State going to wind up in? And, you know, it can be a kind of a crapshoot this time of year, Charlie. And, you know, we were yeah. talking about it a little bit. You know, Ohio State loses to Michigan uh, in a rather demoralizing fashion there in the second half, especially that fourth quarter. So yep. I think that's really interesting. I'm curious to see where Ohio State lands now following this loss, how big that is. Clemson went down. Oregon went down. You've got the conference championship games that still have to happen this coming weekend. But in terms of bowl projections, it's hard to pick what game Penn State will wind up in. Right, a New, yeah. Year's, New Year's Six game feels inevitable. Is there a specific opponent that you would like to see Penn State play or a number of opponents that you think would be right for them? Well, I think, first of all, I think Ohio State is going to get bounced out of the top four. That's my opinion. I don't think they showed up well enough at home to swing the committee to keep them in the top four. Now, What's working in their favor just a little bit is the fact that Oregon lost and uh, they, they, they got bounced. What's LSU? You know, LSU is going to have a hard time. You know, when when you look at through next week, they're going to have a hard time not getting three losses. Yeah. And they're 17-10 right now with Texas A&M behind. So, you know, they're, they're, they're fighting for their life on the road, and then they got to turn around and play Georgia next week. The team that I think would sneak in would be Alabama. Now, I'd love to see Penn State play Alabama. Uh, I've got one son that's a Penn State grad. I got one son that's an Alabama grad. So <laughs> that that'd be kind of good for the for the holidays, right? And uh, so that'd be kind of cool. I think LSU would be a possibility. I, I at one time I thought Ole Miss, but um, I don't think Ole Miss has closed out very well. They haven't played very good. Yeah, yeah. Now with Tennessee losing Hendon Hooker, they don't have the same bite that they had. They don't. They don't. And that would have been a good matchup there. Yeah. For uh, for Penn State to uh, see that game. Now you could flip that all around. I think Ohio State, if they get bounced, Tom, tell me if I'm wrong. They will probably be the odds on favorite to go to the Rose Bowl, right? Yeah. Then you're looking at potentially, and this would be a ratings dream: USC versus Ohio State. If USC, now that's also if USC doesn't wind up right, somehow in the top right. four because they've done a lot for their resume here down the stretch. Oregon's kind of out of the mix, so is maybe it like a Utah Penn State possible? Yes, that's I was just going to say play. that. Yep. And and I'll tell you, having been in the Pac-10 my last two years at Arizona State, I got great respect for Utah playing them. 
you know, gosh, physical, well-coached, uh, and they play defense a little bit like Penn State. I mean, they attack you and they, they hurt you when they tackle you. You know, they, they, they you know, you, good defense is just when they tackle you, you stop. You don't go no further, you know, and that's that Utah's a little bit. You, the Utah Penn State game would be a great matchup for fans. Um, I, I think some of the pack, you know, I go out here from having coached in that league. Uh, it, it's not the most physical league, in my opinion. Sure. Uh, I've been in all of them, so I, I think I have the credibility to give a pretty good answer. Uh, I, I don't think the pack is, is uh, Pac 12 is, is, is the old Pac 10. Pac-12 is quite as physical. It's a good league. Don't get me wrong, but the, the physicality of the Big Ten and then the speed, just the overall factor of the SEC. I spent nine years in that league. That league doesn't change. I mean, it doesn't. It's just new guys playing the roles. That's all. But the league is the same. So I think all the leagues have a unique identity. But I always thought, like, when you played Utah, man, you better you better buckle up all four points of that chin strap and be ready to go because they, they were tough physical i think that'd be a great matchup we're gonna have to wait and see uh luckily it's out of our control and we don't have to worry about that so we'll see how things play out with the conference championship games coming up this week so charlie want to thank you so much for joining me here on pay dirt and once again just to wrap up penn state finishes their 2022 regular season 10 and 2 a 35 to 16 home win against michigan state charlie thank you so much for coming on and for everybody tuning in we'll have a preview of what's going down with the conference championships games uh this coming weekend so stay tuned no doubt and penn state should be in a january one bowl let's make let's let's make that clear 10 and 2 team in the big 10 and they are a marquee team they should be playing a marquee opponent completely agree thank you all so much for joining us we'll be back on espn radio state college on mondays and fridays from 4 p.m to 5 p.m eastern for the remainder of the penn state football season if you want to check out the podcast version of this show presented by the believe network this episode and our entire library of shows is available now on youtube Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter at ESPN Radio 1037, at McGloin QB11, and at Tom Hannafin. Pater is presented by Bet Online and by Funk Brewing. Thanks again, everyone, and join us next week for more Pater. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.